Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Why is running down the wing so disproportionately celebrated in football chants? What defines a team being held to a draw? Can a cross ever be defence splitting? A revolutionary but unacceptable usage of the oldest cliche in the book? A breath of fresh gold commentary air on match of the day? Unjustifiable big Frenchman? The Maracanar of skiing? Sticky tightropes? And the fundamental footballing differences between a cart horse and a donkey? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is football cliches. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 222 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me today is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Good. How are you, Adam? Really good, thank you. Alongside you for the adjudication panel is Centurion David Walker, 100th appearance. Congratulations. Thank you. I was thinking about it. It sort of feels, to me, it feels like I've had more than 100 though, actually, in my head. Well, you have in theory because you've produced 90% of the episodes. Yeah, I suppose that's why, yeah, exactly. Yeah, behind the scenes bit. Yeah, you led us out of the tunnel today with that intro perfectly delivered as well. It's almost like you've been studying it over the years. One take wonder. Yeah, fantastic. Right, let's do this adjudication panel. Um, Been really looking forward to discussing this one with you from Richard Martin. He says, I've been listening to Burnley's catchy chant, Anna Saruri runs down the wing for me. And it got me thinking, why do fans value running down the wing so much? Runs down the wing for me. Yep. Exactly. I can think of similar chants for Giggs and Ronaldo. Scoring aside, which skills are praised most in chants? And then since then, he's come back to me with an update, uh, Charlie. He says, United fans have changed their chant of Viva Ronaldo running down the wing, hear United sing, to Viva Garnacho, otherwise keeping the lyrics the same. Ronaldo has gone, but running down the wing and the appreciation of it lives on. <laughs> Is running down the wing the most disproportionately admired skill in football chants? I suppose it is, because it's not something you hear talked about massively these days, especially with the supposed dying breedness of wingers who do just run up and down the wing. Is, mm. is, it, just a, is it just a scansion thing? Does it scan well, running down the wing? I suppose it's inherently exciting running down the wing, Dave. There's a romanticism to, to flying wingers, regardless of whether they're good or not. Definitely, yeah. And and it and it's kind of it's sort of a it's a and a thing that you can compartmentalise quite nicely. You can't you know if you think of other exciting things that players do, it's yeah. harder to sort of box it off. Mm. You know, running through the middle a lot, or <laughs> or you know taking games by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's very simple, direct thing, isn't it? Well, when players run down the wing, Charlie, that's what gets fans out of their seats. Mm. So maybe it should be towards the top of the list. But it did get me thinking, as Richard Martin asked, which skills are praised most in chance other than running down the wing? They're scoring when he likes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, scoring at will is a big one. Um, Centre-backs who are going to murder you, depending on how you spell their name or pronounce their name. He's going to murder you. Yeah, he's from... Vidic yeah. was from Serbia, Serbia. he's going to murder yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Element of problematic about that, but no. Um, going to tear you apart again, which is which is kind of an offshoot of running down the wing, isn't it, Charlie? It's the same principle, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking that as well with that, the Manchester heritage. Um, yeah. There's also the being everywhere. I mean, he's here, he's there, he's every, 
effing where. I mean, get, getting about the pitch is gonna is applauded. Real yep. sort of old school qualities admired here, Dave. Mm. They're not massively technical, are they? Are there football chants that really refer to like intricate underlying technical? numbers? Yeah, He's got exactly. Great underlying <laughs> numbers. <laughs> There's no. Um... His ex super shot is actually really good. PPDA. There's yeah. no, uh, you could have, machine. I suppose you could have, what's that coming over the hill? A pressing monster, a pressing monster. <laughs> then who, would, who would it be for? I don't know. I feel like pressing is something that fans do appreciate, Charlie. I, I know it's, I know it's a metric now, but fans do like pressing. They do like closing down. It could be something that could be venerated in a football chart. Totally. Well, that's, I mean, he's every effing where mm. is, you could, that could be interchangeable with that's someone more putting now. out fires to me rather than pressing the opposition, but it could Maybe, be Maybe, but. But someone like Tyler Adams for Leeds, who to me is that is kind of modern version of that. He's both everywhere, but also I think he's a really good presser. I imagine his numbers are are very good for those metrics. Mm, this may not may not be the end of this. I really want listeners to get in touch with intricate technical skills that are referenced in traditional or at least traditional adjacent football chants. Next up, Ollie Corley has another example of a TV show getting the language of football wrong. This is the first episode of the new series of Happy Valley. On BBC One, the main character's grandson is playing in golf for his school team near the start of the programme, and Ollie Corley says he is shouting various things at his teammates using language you would never hear on a football pitch. (laughs) Here we go. What is he doing? Is he blind? Never a golden opportunity. Come on! Tackle him, you twat! Oh my God! Move your legs, you moron! All things considered, visually and aesthetically, Dave, there are some highs and lows here. First of all, the, the, the most glaring thing for our purposes is that was a golden opportunity. That that's just bad bad script writing, isn't it? Yeah. Let's face it. That were a golden opportunity. Like, ridiculous. You wouldn't shout that. Might as well say guilt pitched, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, much more commentator than uh, It was the simplest goalkeeper. of tasks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I fear. That's what I fear. They've, they've sort of been reading a textbook at some point and decided to put that in. The the, the where's the defence as well, as a striker was like rushing towards him. Yeah. I mean, just saying anything would be, would be odd for a goalkeeper there. And no surprise, he was then beaten quite easily. And there was just no let up, Charlie. It was just constant. It was a constant stream of different subjects coming out of his mouth. There was no, there was no pause for breath. I didn't like it. It was the tempo that really annoyed me. Actually, yeah, yeah. Anticipate, uh... anticipate. Mm. But it, it, which you sort of might say at, at a certain point in the match potentially. But it's, that's kind of a bit more of a, like a switch on sort of thing or whatever. Mm. But yeah, yeah it's just as you say, it's a complete stream of consciousness. Like in, in about ten seconds, there he said about four or five different things that all apply to different scenarios. And then listeners can't won't, won't have seen the clip unless they've watched the show. But um, he sort of dives the opposite way to the ball. He dives out the way of the ball. <laughs> I don't. Oddly enough, I don't mind the football action itself. Like um, first of all, like visually, it all looks quite convincing for that level of football the muddy yeah. kit the this goals and the pitch yeah. are all right I mean annoyingly like this is this is this is unforgivable practice in 2022 23 the the black and white panelled football it's just there's no need mm. for that you could easily <laughs> disguise a a sort of own brand football with a bit of mud to make sure that no one would ever know what product you're using that's that's just basic I don't get it but Dave, I, I have to pick you up on this on the on the football action. It's a really, really nicely taken goal that you would never see in a kind of uh, production like this that doesn't really care about football. The striker runs in on goal, fakes to shoot. Goalkeeper goes down and he slots it past him. It's brilliantly done. Yeah. Probably one of the best, most smoothly taken goals I've seen in um, TV dramas on mainstream TV. I'll give you the fact that the 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 the, the goal scorer. Does it quite well? I, I think the keeper. I think the keeper sells himself acting there. Yeah, he goes that. He goes down. A bit sells too. his eyes too much. Yeah, he? yeah. Gives too many of his eyes away. Having um, just said anticipate as well, he he doesn't do that very well himself. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, I'd say about six out of ten overall for that. At one point, he says, "Move your legs." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, Anyway, it's time for For My Sins Corner. I'm optimistic that we're going to have a ding-dong battle here. Um, This came from Steve Key, who was watching Tipping Point on ITV over Christmas. Not a sophisticated game show. Will this be a minefield of a For My Sins Corner? You know the rules, the pair of you, by now. Of course, I'm going to play you a clip from a piece of popular TV culture. Someone's going to utter the immortal words, For My Sins. 
You just have to anticipate it, like the goalkeeper <laughs> in Happy Valley. Whoever gets there first wins. Uh, Hugh, as you are leading, you get to choose. Would you like the first question? Would you like to offer it to Raj? I'll offer it to Raj. Right, first one for you here, Raj. Which French footballer scored the first ever English Premier League hat-trick? You can play or pass this, um, I'm not sure. I actually know this answer. You do know. sense. OK, lovely. So I'm going to go with Eric Cantona. You're going with Eric Cantona. Uh, Hugh, would you have had any ideas? I would have gone Thierry Henry. You might have gone Thierry Henry. Yeah. Raj seems like he's pretty confident. Are you a big football fan? Come I'm on. a Liverpool fan for yeah. my oh! <laughs> okay. Let's see if you're right. Is it Eric Cantona? Just, just, uh... yes. Did you not get it? Absolutely right. Well I done, think, Great I think I was a millisecond behind it. I, 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 I knew when it was coming, but I think I just, yeah, I think I just missed it. I think you got it in spirit. You, you, yeah. you, you could see your eyes light up. Just couldn't yeah. convert. Just couldn't, he saw the chance, but just couldn't quite convert. Very Liverpool. interesting tactical battle there. Charlie went ridiculously early. I went early, just and this is a classic thing, isn't it? Because last week it was uh, it was an early one. Mm. So In I was, your head. you know you can you, yeah you can get caught waiting waiting too long. But also Liverpool, Liverpool for my sins. I think yeah, I, I do think it all Odd. goes out the window when you're on a game show. You just say it, don't Maybe. you? Maybe because you're never going to have to justify it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but like, on the league table that we were presented with, I imagine Liverpool were not high as a no. for my sins option. Maybe I they were very, very low. You could have said it. Maybe I don't know. Would it be more relevant to say it 20 years ago when when or 30 years ago when they were coming off the back of being good and everyone would have hated you? for supporting a really good team but is that, that yeah. as we've established that's not maybe yeah is it? or more or in that more doldrumy period yeah. potentially i think uh, maybe that was yeah a bit more of a bit more of a suffering situation yeah mm. um this would never really be a candidate for for my sins corner but i did enjoy it nonetheless it came from timmy d20 who was listening to radio 2 at the weekend and uh, they were having this discussion and we were doing a thing about people we're related to julie from harlech has been on and she says i am distant related to tom cruise for my sins his mother is our <laughs> relative he took her maiden name after his parents divorce it's the reason i don't use my surname when i text in so pre- presumably that's from julie cruise it probably does count dave actually now i think about it, tom cruise i don't know mm. no, he has his issues no, I no, I don't think that's a that is not a for my sins. You can't say that. That's something to be. That's like a really interesting fact about yourself. Okay, well, it depends which kind of layer of Tom Cruise's existence mm. you're, you're you want to relate to. Oh, yeah, I suppose so, Charlie. Yeah. But to be associated with him, there is an element of for my sinsiness about it. Yeah, that, yeah, I think there'll be with some people that would raise a few eyebrows. Uh, you know, they might think, "Oh, are you sort of into Scientology, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, yourself, and, and presumably, see where she's coming from, and would be quite a high maintenance family member as well, Charlie. So, I mean, that would. So, oh, I've been lumbered with this guy <laughs> at Christmas. Yeah, def- definitely. I think more accurate now. You know, if you'd said that twenty years ago or something, that would have seemed mad for my yeah. sake. He's he's on top of the world. He's a, he's a, as good as he's been for ages at the moment. He oh, was really oh. good in Maverick. For My Sins, I watched that film and really, really enjoyed it. More than any film I've enjoyed, weirdly enjoyed it. I don't know why. It got me on a good day, obviously. I want to have some hot draw chat with you now. The first dilemma comes from Mark K. Bear with me on this one. Can the adjudication panel clarify when it's acceptable to say a team has been held to a draw? How is the team being held and the team doing the holding decided. This has been on my mind since St Mirren drew 1-1 with Rangers earlier in the season, (laughs) and the BBC Scotland match report led with the line that Rangers were held to a draw, despite St Mirren leading for almost the entire second half, and Rangers requiring an 84th-minute penalty to equalise. Do the variables Mm. of form, timing and manner of goals, performance on the day, which team is at home, influence which team can be held? Maybe the defining thing is which team has been mo- has most at stake. My head's a bit fucked with it. <laughs> I'm a bit scared about this one, Charlie, because it feels like it could potentially be a real come of the hour saga um, for me personally. So I want to tread carefully, but instinct says you are held to a draw if it's a nil-nil and you were expected to win. You, in any situation, you were one nil up and the other team pegged you back and equalised. And that's pretty much it. I, I don't think there are many other variables involved. Yeah, I think the first, I think in that exa- in that Samir and Rangers example, that is, they, they've used the sort of main criterion, which is, yeah, as you say, it's your the big favourites or whatever, or you're going for a title and you've, and it's, would you say you've dropped, if you say you dropped two points, then I think you're more likely to feel like you've been held. But I think if, if in a situation like that, 
I don't. I'm not sure you can use held if you're the one who scored the late equaliser. I think that overrules anything. In, yeah, I, I have to say. Unless the only situation would be is if you then laid siege <laughs> to their goal, right? And you know, Mister flurry of late chances as okay. well as the fact you you saw it as two points dropped then maybe but even so I think just because on the scoreline it would look so unheld um, <laughs> I'd be wary of using that <laughs> Dave how do you feel about this? I, th- I think yeah I think the dominant thing has to be a, a, an expectation imbalance so one team has to has to be thinking yeah we're going to win this game and the other team the, the team that's doing the holding is not expected to get anything and is happy happy to hold them to a draw I think Charlie I, I didn't consider the technicality of the second wave of attacking after you'd considered the equaliser for the team who would otherwise been considered favourites of the game I didn't factor that in I have to say and that does complicate matters and I do wonder if over the passage of time, you might look back at a game like that and go, so yeah, Rangers were held to a draw, almost regardless of the of the order that the goals went in. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe it does survive the test of time, I'm not sure. But on a technical level, can't have it, can we? And I think that's fair. No, because you certainly, if, if you equalised, if Rangers had equalised in that game after half an hour and then spent the rest of the game peppering the St Mirren goal, then I think you could say held. Um, even though they were the ones who did the equalising yeah. because so much time has then passed. Oh and- yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. Yeah, there, there are caveats to our hard and fast rule. Similarly, several time cliches producer Abby Patterson writes in, Dave says, can you salvage a goalless draw? She was reading the match report of Arsenal's recent um, 0-0 draw with Newcastle in a major newspaper. It was the Times, in fact. I'm just going to name them. It was the Times. Um, and the, we, the match report began with this. Mikel Arteta accused the referee Andrew Madley of denying Arsenal two scandalous penalties after the Premier League leaders could only salvage a goalless draw at home to Newcastle United. This is even more of, of an offence, I think. I, just, I, I don't think there's any situation that you could salvage a goalless draw. Could only manage a goalless draw, surely. That's mm. that's that's what you need to say there. Um, they, Nothing's they been were salvaged on, here. Nothing's been salvaged. No, they were on top for the whole game. Yeah, they were the one. Yeah. Yeah. Could only muster or something like that. Muster's but, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah but I, more for shots, isn't it? Mustering. Mm. But I mean, I suppose if you were to apply some sort of run of play situation maybe if Newcastle had dominated it and peppered the Arsenal goal for most of the game and then Arsenal kind of turned things around a bit and then made the game safe that could be salvaging a goalless draw but I wouldn't use it mm. Mm. you can't yeah, salvage I think a goalless I, draw I, they, I mean, they were held to a goalless draw <laughs> yeah they this were this is held. a perfect example yeah. good come full circle with that but yeah important stuff draws are subtle beasts and the language should reflect that now this is really interesting not something I'd ever considered before but I'm pretty sure I've got a strong opinion about it. Aiden writes in, referring to Manchester City's solitary goal against Chelsea in their first meeting in the Premier League the other night. And the Sky Sports goal update um, described the goal thus. Grealish's defence-splitting pass sets up sub Mares to tap in and give Man City a 1-0 lead at Chelsea. This was a, this was a low ball from out wide. Mm. Can you split a defence, Dave, sideways? No. No. You didn't split the defence because it went in behind the defence. Splitting mm. the defence is going through the middle of the defence or at an angle or whatever. This was a, a ball, as has been dis- been talked about quite a lot, actually, in terms mm. of should Kepper have come for it or whatever. Yeah. But it was it was a classic corridor of uncertainty mm. ball. He yeah, definitely did not split the defence at well, all. Now Dave said that, Charlie, I feel even more entrenched, in my opinion, about it. It's wrong, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, instinctively, I'm just trying to think if there's any <laughs> if there's any defence, but I don't think there is. I in mean, your mind, it, Charlie, if you hadn't have heard that, if you hadn't sorry, if you hadn't seen that goal and you just heard that description, yes. what would you what would you think? That's You'd very think true. That he's put one through the middle for Haaland to yeah. run onto, wouldn't you? Yeah, defence splitting is a through ball. Yeah, it's, I mean, not, it's not a low centre. If you take these words at full face value, it's, it should be it should be physically impossible in any traditional football passage of play to have a defence splitting pass that sets someone up to tap in. It shouldn't be possible unless the goalkeeper's mm. up the other end and they've still split the defence and there's only an open goal left for them mm. from two yards to tap home. That would be the only way. But um, I think someone would probably shoot in that situation anyway. So impossible. Impossible to split a defence for someone to tap in. Fact. Only way possible, I think, <laughs> is if Grealish was 10 yards deeper than where he was when he hit that ball across. And oh, he's so, gone oh, okay. at an mm. angle through the middle of the defence to the far post. So there's probably, then, a, there's probably a maximum angle you can be to split a defence. So it's not, you don't have to be central. You could be yeah. in a half space, Charlie, perhaps? Yeah. De Bruyne territory, could you split a defence like that? Do his yeah. crosses split defences? Well, I was thinking there was that Cancelo one, wasn't there, for Sterling last season. Do you remember that incredible outside of the boot pass? 
in my mind that was I wouldn't say split, that was a little no I don't think it would but that was a little wide of centre and you could but I think a splitter a, a defence splitter's got to be straight it's got to be on the floor for a start and a pass is straight and the angle the angled yeah. run mm. it's a through ball it's, it, it's on the floor mm. it can't be it can't yeah. be anything anything that could conceivably be, be described as a cross cannot be a defence splitting ball I think I think that's the that's the nub yeah. of it isn't it yeah Agreed. Difficult at the weekend to decide which former Arsenal defenders commentary moment to really leap on. <laughs> I felt it felt too much of a cheap shot to to clip up Martin Keogh and calling Sheffield Wednesday a well-machined oil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, particularly because he, he let him off that one. Yeah, yeah, he and his commentator acknowledged it afterwards, but it, yeah. it was funny. And the best thing about it, Dave, is that I can't imagine. How, I mean, of all the potential sort of brain ripples that can happen in this situation. I, can't, I just don't understand how that happened. How does how do those words come out of your mouth like that? It's just, it's just a, it's a spoonerism, it right? It is a spoonerism, it? but yeah. an, an unusual one. Mm. Well-machined oil. You really have to go out of your way to do it. <laughs> um, Keezy's in his head, Charlie. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, I know. I know that. I really hope that runs and runs. Martin Keown's Keys own of last week. That will run and run, I suspect. Um, but no... What I did want to talk about was this from Lee Dixon. I am not having this as Everton roll the dice at Old Trafford about the magical Emirates FA Cup. So I think it's going to be the same shape, but Gordon's going to play right wing back and McNeil's going to play left wing back. It's aggressive. Yeah, well, he's got to be, hasn't he? Knockout football going home. David Walker, can you go home from the FA Cup? (laughs) Well, hmm. they are away, I suppose. No. <laughs> You're going home anyway. You, yeah. you, you, you can leave FA Cup land. Yeah. This sort of, this mythical place where we all exist during the Seen magical FA Cup. Seen off by Manchester United in the third round and they're flying home already. They're going home. It, it, would have to be a, it would have to be a winner stays on situation. You have, they can't leave Old Trafford if they keep winning. Every tie is played there. His, his head's still in Qatar, isn't it? Yeah, to be fair that's to him. true. He's just, he's just got that international yeah. tournament mindset. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, very worrying. Although Nottingham Forest did fly to Blackpool, as David Ornstein reported in his column this morning. Mm. 24-minute plane ride at the weekend. So maybe Everton did fly back to... Someone had a shorter plane ride than that recently. Who who had the 17-minute There was the famous Arsenal-Norwich one years back. Do we know how many minutes that was? I think it was around, around 24. I remember it causing outrage. Oh, Arsenal was 14 minutes. So either way, whoever had the 17-minute one is mere... Second, 14 minutes. That is insane, isn't it? That's quick. That's up that and down. Is, that's too quick. You're just settling down. Yeah. I mean, that's not enough time to watch an episode of something. <laughs> right, next up, this is from Harry Nassaris. Plymouth fan. He was watching the League One leaders toil against Bolton this weekend and um, appeared to be consulting um, a Plymouth fan's Facebook page uh, for some views on the game at half-time. Fellow Plymouth fan wrote, uh, Charlie, getting schooled by one of the better teams in the league so far. It's a game of two halves, though, so let's see what the second half brings. Um, now, Harry says, a game of two halves, a phrase I thought was only used to describe two halves of opposing outcomes slash dominance. Not a phrase to use at half time to hope for that to happen. Am I wrong? <laughs> Surely you can't say that. Bloody hell. I've never heard game of two halves used like this. The oldest cliche of all. Appealing yeah. to it as if, as if it's going to deliver for you. This could, this could be a game of two halves. Yeah, that is optimistic. Um no, I don't think I've ever heard it uh, not retrospectively. I mean, because you, you can say like, but there's all to play for or but, you know, one goal could change everything. But uh, I don't know. Or is there something? Is there like but, it's a different game in the second well, half? But or? the thing is, I, I sort of initially I was like, actually, I quite like this. But then if you think about it, he's, he is misusing it quite fundamentally here because football, it's a game of two halves. It's not it's not a universal thing. It, it was, it's used very specifically to describe a game that was different in one half to the other. Absolutely. Football is not always different in each half. Yes. It, football is not a game of two halves. It was a game of two halves. The was and the is is very different. Yeah, I mean, there are, I, there are fundamentally two things going on here. As Dave says, the fundamental misuse of the phrase, Charlie, and then secondly, that's the breeziness of just delivering it like that <laughs> in its... In its <laughs> Unacceptable context. It's it's a game of two halves, though, so let's see what the second half brings. No! No! As we know, it's... I mean, yeah, what they're saying, it's almost... It's saying, like, a statement of fact, like, but look, football's a a game of 90 minutes. There's still plenty of time. He's saying as if it's, like, a self-evident thing, like, that that would be. As we know, every game is a game of two halves. Not the case. It's good that we police even the oldest (laughs) cliches in the book. Um, Some people get complacent about this sort of stuff. (laughs) 
All right, Liverpool fans, we've got some news. The Athletics dedicated Liverpool podcast has been given a lick of paint and it's coming back bigger and better than ever in 2023. It's still twice a week and still your go-to place for transfer news, analysis and opinion from the Athletics' esteemed football writers. But the first big change is me, Tony Evans, as your host. I'm the former football editor of the Times of London, and I've been on the Mersey beat for years. You'll never walk alone as part of Anfield folklore, and we want a new name that truly resonates with Liverpool, the fans, the history, the essence of the club. So that's why we went for Walk On. Join us twice a week through the winds and the rain as Jurgen Klopp's Reds aim to save their season and maybe even sign a bleeding midfielder in January. Simply search for Walk On on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come on, have a listen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Now, The Athletic's Tottenham man, Tim Spears, was on duty for the FA Cup tie on Saturday. And he tweeted, It's taken until the 87th minute for ex-Southampton man Fraser Forster to take a goal kick in front of 9,000 Portsmouth fans. Charlie, this has all the ingredients, has all the setup <laughs> you could possibly need for one of the greatest hands in football, one we've covered so many times. But honestly, this is the cleanest, smoothest, most textbook one I've heard in a while. <laughs> Such a good build-up to it. Scored in the fourth round of the FA Cup three years ago. It starts off like a distant motorway, and then, then it, like a plane taking off, and then just 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 the right amount of venom and sort of ironic you used to play for the team we hate, sort of added in as well. It's, it's um, it really is perfect. They, it's like a coiled spring or something yeah. like one of those wind up toys. All half, they must have just been like, come on, come on, get a goal kick, and then finally, after what forty two minutes, they get it. Do you think? That, do you think that was in their heads, Dave? That that would that would be a potential they would have something. That would, they would have that to do, and they had to wait so long for it. And then when you get to the 87th, you would have thought, we're not going to get the chances. That chance is gone. Yeah, maybe there's a bit of that. I, I think I think it's just a very Pompey thing. <laughs> they're, they're kind of Oh, really? Like, I mean, they've obviously been off the sort of mainstream radar for a while now, but like when they were in the Premier League, they were always talked about as, what a great fan base. It was they, it was a thing. Like they're, They are, even if they were, as they often were, quite terrible. 
they their fans would always be up for it loud and there's the you know the the customary shot of the bloke with the hat and the tattoos yeah and the bells and all that but that's quite a specific bit of fandom isn't it when you talk about great fans because it's quite like it's the sort of thing that commentators be like oh, they haven't lost their sense of humor have they mm. it, you know it's not like a really intimidating fan base necessarily it's more a kind of no. good good humored light-hearted which it's i think is how voice. they were thought of but i think yeah, it's one exactly. of those it's one of those enjoying their day out <laughs> it's one of those places where i actually haven't been to fratton park so maybe if you two have you could you know you could disagree no, no, but like it feels like one of those grounds that most of the people seeing in it as opposed to just one stand actually, I feel I have like been. everyone, Sorry, everyone was on the same page there in that in, in in the tottenham stadium everyone was up for it everyone mm. was on board maybe it's an fa cup thing as well it's a day Crowd out blah, on blah, top blah. Of you. the you know, traveling support such a place to go almost aside from the fact that the game was only one nil which perhaps might kibosh this charlie maybe fraser forster just wanted to take one long goal kick so he could earn one because i i feel like goalkeepers don't fear it I mean, it's, it's not something to be feared, is it? As you, a badge as you of honour. As explained, it's not venomous, is it? No, no, no I don't think so. Yeah, you're right, actually, because had, had he gone short, I mean, you can still do it, but it's a lot less no, satisfying. Terrible. No, no. Like, it, it really wouldn't work. No. Um, elsewhere in the FA Cup, this, this is a very curious one, and I wouldn't normally have picked up on it uh, in isolation if it hadn't been for the supporting tweets that came with it. I think we should hear the clip first. This is Tom Gale on BBC Duty for Match of the Day um, at the Rico, which I know it still isn't called, but that's what I'm going to call it anyway, for Coventry versus Wrexham. Um, calling the goals in a in a way I've heard before, but not necessarily on Match of the Day. Lovely move here! The direct shooting opportunity which Palmer takes! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> back to Waghorn, it's behind him. Neat layoff. Oh, Coventry have got one back. He goes for it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Now we've now we've absorbed that. First off, Will Brown says the BBC commentator for Coventry Wrexham was so me in a pub watching a game I don't care about. Had all the oohs and ahs I didn't know I wanted in a highlights package. But, to take that scenario first, Charlie. It is a bit like that. It's almost like you're not invested in the game, but you are quite impressed by what you've seen. So you're just a football lover, basically. Yeah, I don't even know if it's not care about. I feel like it's a game you care a little bit about. Like it's maybe one of your your local rivals who yeah. aren't really competing with you, but they're losing unexpectedly. And it's just like, oh, what a nice yeah. bonus. Yeah. This and is, this is funny. The emotional pressure is off as well. So exactly. You can kind of, yeah, enjoy it. It's just a free hit. It's like, yeah, this is good. This is funny. Uh, do you think um, you very, yeah, very light of touch. Dave, do you think you have ever oh a goal? I'm trying to think what goal I, I would have oh. I, I think I would have done. I think that is pretty much the scenario as you've described. Sort of watching a game in a pub, not not like yeah, it's not your own team, it's not England or anything. You're not massively emotionally invested, but maybe it's on in the background. You just looked up and yeah, you just sort of get involved in the in the fun of it. Do you think as well in in the um because it, it was a four was it four three that get the, the final score wasn't it? So you kind of went. That that first reaction was sort of like just spontaneous, and he sort of felt, oh, "I've got to kind of keep this keep this going," because it felt like in the last clip there, there was a, there was a few more chuckles than there were and that, initially. That was the goal to make it four three. Yeah, Coventry pulling another goal back. Very good free kick, of course. But I do worry if he overcooked the oh ho hos. Let's hear them all again before we hear another take on it. Lovely move here. The direct shooting opportunity which Palmer takes. Oh. to Waghorn it's behind him neat layoff oh Coventry have got one back he goes for it one of those isn't a goal it should be said as well yeah, yeah. just a moment of excitement but, but I mean it's perfectly it's, I think it is a natural thing to do Charlie I don't think you can confect this kind of thing because it's very hard to, to sort of I don't know instinctively chuckle by design isn't it yeah i don't think he, i don't think he's affected i don't think it's affected but no. i think it, it very much reflects the mood he's in i think he's in quite loving a, football yeah yeah loving football but also i think he's i don't know if he feels quite liberated somehow i don't know if for him the pressure was off in this game or something but he feels like i'm just going to enjoy this one this is great <laughs> yeah um kev sam writes in dave and says the reaction of the commentator of the coventry Wrexham goals on match of the day sounded like me watching a game with someone who doesn't care about it at all or i'm secretly trying to get them involved does anyone else do this i feel like yeah. i must have done must have done mm. i think that, yeah, yeah again that that 
that makes sense. That Trying definitely to get them to makes react sense. And come back and watch it with you. Like yeah, even if like I've been, if I was like watching a random World Cup group game at home, my girlfriend was on the sofa or whatever, not really watching at all. Uh, usually knitting when I watch football. I think I'd do that. I think I might. Oh, oh, oh look! Do you yeah. see that? <laughs> now I think about it, Charlie. Yes. It's a re- this method that BBC's Tom Gale has employed here is possibly the most effective method of getting someone who does like football but isn't in the room back in the room to see the goal that's just been scored. Oh, ho, ho, ho! <laughs> that gets them in because it's got to be Hello. urgent enough. Yeah, to get them yeah, running back def- and going. Oh, what is it? And then wait, I'll wait for this one. There it is. Ah. Oh. There definitely is a performative <laughs> element. Or, continuing the pub thing, if you're on and you're slightly, you're aware that the guy at the bar wants to just put music on or something, you kind of want to make the point, I know, oh, this is this is good. Yeah. We're really enjoying this. And trust me, everyone else will be as well. I think we've been nice about this enough, Dave. It's, it's absolutely fine. Um, it's good yeah. for Match of the Day to have this sort of um, variation in it. Brilliant, yeah. Yeah, good. Well done, Tom Gale. Some more crowd noises for this. A, a, a lovely premium deluxe level of crowd noises for us this week. This is from Michael Willett from Cambridge versus Bristol Rovers. He says, I thought you boys would be a fan of this. The sound of the home fans' reaction to this equaliser is wonderful. Now, we've, we've talked about the delay before, but I don't think we've ever had this extra element of disappointment from the fans behind the goal who've just conceded. That's really good. Really is nice. The disappointment of the f- of the home fans seeing the rebound be converted, and then mm. you, your your footballing brain, Charlie, knows to wait for the away fans at the other end to join in. But what a succession of noises! It's great. Tells a story, doesn't it? Does. And, and a good example of what we're talking about: he, the striker won't care one bit, as we were discussing <laughs> last week. Yeah, <laughs> he's not bothered by that. Yeah, almost. Almost, a, given that you can hear the ball being struck, Dave, almost you don't even need to see the goal. You can almost picture it. Yeah, I, I, I think almost slight footballing karma there, I think. Uh, to the, the celebration for the save, it, it, you, I think in a one-on-one situation, if he hits it wide, then yeah. obviously go for it. But mm. the rebound, there's, it, it's still, it wasn't finished. Yeah. Very premature. And they paid the price. I mean, it's, it's arguable, unless the ball's out of play, Charlie, that you shouldn't weigh a save in, in any way. Because mm. you never know what's going to happen. It does make me nervous. And expected Schadenfreude, X-S-C-H, should be <laughs> in your brain at all times. The fact that you could be made a fool of, that's core mm. to a football fan's existence. So It can rebound on you. It's like celebrating winning a penalty. Just don't, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. Very open-ended potential here. This came from first person plural. He says, can we get a deep dive on, and rightly so's, entrance into the football lexicon? What situations is it used in? It feels like it ought to be for when a decision is controversial, but is actually mostly used when the decision, usually a referee, sometimes criticism, is completely clear-cut. So, instinctively, Charlie, when is the commentary phrase, and rightly so, most likely to be used. Would it be, uh, I can imagine if it's saying like, and manager X is going mad, and rightly so, yeah. to be fair, because that is that, that is not the kind of thing we want to see punished. Mm. I think Charlie's right here, Dave. It has to be about a negative emotion or a negative display of emotion. He he is furious on that touchline, and rightly so, actually. And that, that can be for a refereeing decision, as Charlie implied, or it could be, it, it could be the fans expressing their dismay at a terrible performance. They are fuming, mm. and rightly so, because they have been abject. They've travelled travelled hundreds of miles yeah. for this, and they're, they're angry, and rightly so, because that's unacceptable. Or a player doing something stupid, like, and it, like you, you load the box, and then he takes a corner short, or it doesn't be the first man or something, and, he's, and, and this captain is giving him all sorts, and rightly so. <laughs> what about... Un- because that's unforgivable. Interesting pattern so far, that it's all negative stuff, stuff that has an element of distaste, about it you can't have a and he is delighted with that and rightly so because <laughs> that doesn't work does it <laughs> you almost don't have to justify your joy and uh who can blame him maybe i don't know but you can't have a and rightly so for someone being happy i don't think yeah i think i think that's right he's del- that those fans are going crazy and they have every right to no i don't know is that about is that the wrong way around as well He's going crazy and he's got every right to go crazy. Yeah, he wouldn't have that, I don't think. Or could it be used by, I don't know, like Peter Walton or something? Like to actually to describe something quite sort of technical 
or specific. And I don't know, like maybe there's uh, players brought someone down in the box, but he's gone. Actually, the referee hasn't sent him off here because he did make an attempt to play the ball. So it's just a penalty, and rightly so. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it'd be yeah, sort of explaining the rationale. It's like as as any referee wants to do. It, the imperative here is to let play go on, and, and he does that, and rightly so. Right. And then, so you're sort of <laughs> t- talking through the, the sort of rationale, the thought process. It's quite effective. I like, I like your Peter Walton. That's yeah, good. It, it needs work. I mean, it needs a bit of middle. There's something to work on there. Yeah. Just the right it came tone. out of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> um, Didn't know I had that. Uh, in your locker. Yeah, it's just a bit of kind of subjective validation, a, a light touch of subjective validation to something you probably already agree with. So it kind of rams it home a bit. So I quite like it. Now, really like this, and I hope you will share my joy with this. This came from Sam Turton. He says, how do we feel about when a defender blocks a shot with his hand, resulting in a penalty and a red card, the commentators being unable to resist saying this? Oh, what a chance now is for a handball. Referee has given a penalty. Might not be the end of it. And a red card. It's a good save, actually. That's a good save. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I thought that differentiated from I was expecting a mind rather than an actually. It's a good save, mind. Oh yeah. Uh, I thought that would be perfect sort of commentator speak. It was um, it was a full house in the living room that I was watching it in day because uh, you had Clyde Tilsley and Ali McCoy agreeing about it. I said it too at the time and so did my father-in-law. She said, it's a good save actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird one because it's almost as like, it's a it's an unusual c- circumstance, Dave, but you have to, in an ironic kind of way, admire the technique involved. Yes, yes, you do. Obviously, it's because they're an outfield player, right? And it's like yeah. a strange situation. But the saves that... It could be anything. They could make any save whatsoever and you'd say it. But on the flip side, if it was a goalkeeper, it'd be the sort of one where Roy Keane would be going, well, that's his job. You expect him to save that. You expect yeah. him to save that. Yeah. But I guess that's the point. You wouldn't necessarily expect someone who's not a keeper to save it. Part no. of the expectation comes from the fact that that is their job. Yeah. I suppose the only time you wouldn't say it is when, if it's like so obvious, like the Suarez against yeah, Ghana. I thought yeah, you might say that. Suarez, you wouldn't say it. That wasn't a save, was it? It was just... Yeah, it wasn't a good yeah. save because it's not like he tipped it over the bar or anything, did he? It's actually, a bad save. He put it. He put it right back <laughs> into the back danger into area. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what comes out of these sort of things. Brilliant. Thank you, Sam Turton. Really enjoyed that one. Um, just because, just because I instinctively joined in at the time as well. So, just fantastic. Right. <laughs> Equally good from Joe Ganderson, who was listening to Palace Spurs the other night on Five Live, and uh, co-commentator Glenn Murray was talking about an important save by Hugo Lloris with the game still nil-nil. And that's the real first sighter of goal for either team, isn't it, Connor? there? Inside the box, Spangill's had a couple of opportunities, but that one there, that's that's the first opportunity. And Larice is going to his left, and he has to get down to his right. It's a really, really good save by the big Frenchman. Charlie, I am not having Hugo Larice described <laughs> as the big Frenchman for so many reasons. He's not notably big. He's not, he's not a larger than life character not that that's really important he's six foot two i'm told joe ganderson tells me uh, he's also a goalkeeper so that kind of counts against him as well this is a flagrant misuse of big what a- nationality man yeah also he's slight of build <laughs> like i don't think of him as a big like yeah he's t- as you say that he's six foot two which is tall for a, a lay person but for a goalkeeper it's pretty standard <laughs> I think of him as quite slight. He, yeah, he's he's quite. Uh, he you know he doesn't come across as a as a huge um, bellower. No. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I just think that's autopilot with any goalkeeper because n- n- normally you're probably going to be right. Most goalkeepers are, or they used to be quite big. He is French. So I will give Glenn Murray that. He's he is that. Um, so I think it's kind of just a slight autopilot. You're talking about a goalkeeper. Just go with the big, the big fella or the big. Frenchman. Dave, let's remove one item from the scales of deliberation here. If Hugo Lloris wasn't a goalkeeper and he was, say, just a striker or something, would he still qualify for the big Frenchman? I don't think he would at six foot two, slight of build. No, I don't think six foot two is quali- it does qualify. I- I'm six foot two, and very occasionally somebody will sort of remark upon. They'll say, "Oh, you're tall, aren't you?" Or, or something like that, and I'll sort of be like, well, I don't, "Am I? I don't know." Like, I don't feel like I'm massively. I don't, you know. I think six foot three and above. Mm. I think you're right on yeah. the cusp here. It's tall, but it's not. It's not unusually it tall. It's not notably tall. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, it would be like Larice is about my height and a similar build. No one's calling me the big fella. No. 
Or the, the, the big Englishman? No, definitely not. As a goal, I, I find it very odd. Should have but, gone for the uh, the Gallic glovesman. <laughs> <laughs> Drury would have done, that's for sure. But yeah, thanks Joe Ganderson. Very good spot indeed. Now, um, this one will require some description if you haven't seen it. Um, this is from listener Sam. It says, goals like Fulham's second versus Hull. Now, this is where Fulham were 1-0 up. Hull had committed everybody forward for a corner. I think it was a couple of corners in succession. The goalkeeper had gone up, but they left a defender back, sort of a, a shortish defender just to cover. And um, ball was cleared. Dan James, um, the ball was cleared. It bounced for the defender to get his head on it, but he misjudged it. Dan James stole in to nod it off him to have a clear run through on goal, control the ball, bring it under his spell and score. OK, listener Sam says, ideally, what's the right distance to score from when you have 50 yards to run at an open goal? Ooh, Fair yeah. enough. Shooting from 40 yards might be a bit risky, but under 10 just looks too cautious or like Dan James was scared <laughs> he'd miss. Now, I'll give you the numbers here. Dan James won the ball originally with his with a nod of a header 48 yards out. So that's where the goal began. And he scored from four. He wasn't under wow. immense amount of pressure. He had two defenders chasing him, but they were never going to get there. But the ball had been bouncing quite a lot. He had to control it with his head, first with his head, then his thigh, then his foot to bring it up properly under control. So I can imagine an element of not wanting to fuck it up. But four yards from 48, how do you feel about that ratio? It doesn't sound right to me, but I wonder, it's hard to have without seeing it, to be honest, but I wonder, because he's obviously a very quick player, and as you say, if he had to sort of bring it under a few times, is, is it, were the touches... Was he really hitting, hitting it out along, out, out ahead of him, running onto it? I think the speed of it is, is sort of. I can kind of get. I can kind of maybe understand it if he's take, only taken two or three touches and he's just legging it, and then he's just sort of tapped it in. Whereas if you're going quite slowly and you're taking lots of touches, then it looks a bit weird. Does that make okay. sense? No, I see what you mean. Yes, I do see what you mean. Okay, Charlie, let's let's look at this. Consider this type of goal universally. A player has the freedom of Stadium X to run through and just tap into an empty net. If it's you, where are you shooting from? Like, if you had the benefit of being able to see where you are, what's what's the most tasteful distance to be slotting it home from? I think around the edge of the box is a good compromise between you don't want to take any unnecessary risks. I'd say like, like you fifteen don't... yards. Edge of the box still feels quite long range. Could fuck it up. Yeah, I think like you're 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 about the edge of the box and it's sort of rolling in. That's not too far off fifteen, is it? By the time you yeah, sort of that's true. connected with yeah. connected with it, your momentum's carried you through. Yeah. You're stroking it as well. You know, you don't need to put any pace on it. Mm. Um, around that point, I, th- I feel like gets the balance. Not too risky, but also not. You know, you don't need to be like heading it over the line. Um, yeah, and that there is another option open to you, Dave. If you if you want to disguise the fact that you're not massively confident about the idea of shooting into an open goal from 18 yards you could always just sort of run it right up to the line and then absolutely hammer it which I think yeah. is an admirable thing to do I think it's quite fun and but it isn't disrespectful either I think it's just quite funny he- heading it sort of getting on your knees and heading it in would be a disgusting act yeah I think uh, you may even would you get booked for that has it ever happened like an 80 year old Sunday league ref would book you for that definitely yeah. Probably not. I can imagine like Neymar, there being viral footage of yes. Neymar. Watch Neymar get booked as an 18-year-old for ungentlemanly conduct well, taking the piss. Well, you would get booked either directly or indirectly because someone would then sort of barge you over into the net and like lean over you going, you can't do that, you can't do that. And then, they're, then both <laughs> and of them rightly get so, booked. by the way. <laughs> so you get, you're going to get booked regardless of how innocent you are in this situation. But yeah. So Dave, give me a yardage. Come on. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of with the pair of you. I think, I think, once you sort of start approaching the edge of the area, because I think it, it does depend on sort of what, how confident you are in your own technique or whatever. There are certain t- types of players who would just, who would just sort of clip it in, nonchalantly. Mm. But I think if, as you said, Charlie, if it was me, yeah, I think a, a, a nice firm side foot from around the edge of the area would be the safest thing to do. Okay, fair enough. Right, next up, love this from Sebastiano. Uh, I'm glad he was doing it because I don't know anybody else who would do this. He said he was watching the Alpine skiing over the weekend and the commentator called the stadium at Adelboden the Swiss Maracanar. <laughs> Is such an attribution allowed if it's not the same sport, Charlie? How do you feel instinctively? Oh, yeah, that's a good Work point. skiing, does it? <laughs> skiing in a stadium. Well, you have grandstands. It's a bit like Formula One. You wouldn't call Formula One venues stadiums, could you? 
No. But they are, they have Circuits. sort of grand, massive grandstands. And that it is technically an enclosed right, okay. space. And, it, yeah, it, it's more of a stadium than a Formula One circuit, but obviously not a proper stadium. I mean, you can do the thing, though, even, can't you? If not, you can take things not from a sport. You could describe them as like the cathedral of snooker or whatever it is. And you could have like, um, like the, the Lionel Messi of darts or something like that, couldn't you? In yeah, theory. yeah. It, we'd laugh at it, but, it, but you could use it. I mean, the sentiment <laughs> exists. Um, I've dug a little deeper into this. Dave, um, looked up the event in question. Um, the headline of Marco Odermatt dominating the Grand Slalom at Adelboden says, Stratospheric in Adelboden, how Marco Odermatt ignited the Maracanã of skiing. So it's, it's, it's very much a thing, apparently. Um, the subhead goes, it's the same song every time, but in the boiling atmosphere of a sold-out Adelboden, it's even stronger. <laughs> a sold-out skiing venue. It just seems so weird to me. But I, mean, I realise they love their skiing in those parts. But <laughs> it's like a religion. This is going to bring the roof off its of this place. <laughs> I just can't imagine where the stands would be. Are they are they are they on the mountain? Are they on are they at an angle? Are they at the bottom of the hill or you, the top? If you factor in all the different events that can happen, I think the the biggest the best place to sit is in an absolutely giant grandstand at the bottom of the run. Because yeah. you greet the skier as they get to the bottom and you probably have a really good view of them coming down anyway. So it's, mm. I think there's a colossal grandstand at the bottom at the very least. But there must be pockets of bits like a Formula One circuit where you can sort of sit and watch. I don't know is the answer. And so does the, does the American art comparison just come from the size of it? Is it it's not to do with atmosphere? I wonder if they just it's think just that because it's, the American art is like the home of football. Yeah, maybe. Guys, Wembley, be, hello. Yeah, yeah. But Maracanã is the biggest, isn't it? Exactly. So I wonder if it's yeah. just a purely a numbers thing. So this this, ha- this is like a really big grandstand, much bigger than any of the other tournaments. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's borderline Because if it's me. quantifiable, that gives it a bit more legitimacy. Mm. Mm. If it's just saying it's the biggest. Maybe there's a Wembley of skiing in France or Austria or somewhere. Yeah, maybe Yeah, maybe the Wembley of skiing is already taken. Yeah, it could well be. A couple of quick-fire transgressions to, to get through now. Elizabeth Barnard writes in and says, uh, My boyfriend shortened the FA Cup to just the FA. Are you watching the FA earlier? Up there with the worst things he's ever done. I want a full list of all the things he's ever done. Um, but, uh, I mean, in other... In other you know the Carabao Charlie would be fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how- well, but then but then it'd be calling it the Emirates, wouldn't it? Yeah. To <laughs> that's to, true. To continue that. Do you think the FA uh, could ever have caught on? I mean, it's too late for it to actually do now. But no. But it, again, it begs the question as well: is the cup and when mm. that's exceptional? Yeah. I saw something. Who was it? Um, I think it was a, a politician or a political commentator. Uh, who it was such a great giveaway of like you know one of those say you don't actually know anything about football yeah. type things. He, he described the World Cup as the cup. Oh. It's like, that is so dry. I was like, oh, and I, I see that a lot of people have lost interest now that England are out of the cup. No, oh, like, that's, that's awful. Mate. It's like going home yeah. from the FA Cup with Lee Dixon. It's the other way around. Dave, literally no other competition qualifies for the cup, at least not in this country, right? Impossible. No. 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 <laughs> Imagine you think the Champions League, they're out of the cup. <laughs> Went out of the cup this week. <laughs> Um, I think big cup game coming up. I mean, <laughs> I think the, the League Cup and the FA Cup could you can use that for either. You can refer you to the League Cup. I think you can refer to like, oh, we've got a got a cup match next week, but not it, the or, cup. You know, that's different. That's different. Not the. You cup. can say uh, we've got, got Palace match, in the but... cup next week. Oh, yeah, what? See, uh, yeah, I don't know. It does sound. Yeah, yeah. You'd <laughs> that, say League that, Cup. I'm thinking you? FA Cup. That say League Cup. That, yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound like a midweek. You're right. No, you're right. We do underrate David's role of just introducing sort of lines of conversation into the mix to make us think actually yeah maybe people would say that actually to their mates in the pub (laughs) right next dilemma comes from uh, nathan who says my business professor described a lackluster exam response as never getting out of first gear this week (laughs) however in a footballing context not leaving first gear is reserved for a winning performance surely a misuse of the phrase here not so nathan your business professor got it right assuming you know the answer did indeed qualify for that because not getting out of first gear dave is a bad thing in Mm. football it's it's when you're it's when you just stay in second or third gear that's when you win it in easily but nobody wins in first gear absolutely not first gear is rubbish first gear is not for anything just haven't got out of first gear today yeah yeah nathan's thinking of third gear they didn't even have to get out of third gear exactly third gear is the um, optimum gear to not get out of and still win and quite comfortably exactly and you're using it to chastise their opponents yeah. the fact they were so they were so like leicester that you know united didn't even have to get out of third gear you're not getting anywhere in first gear 
or if Nathan wanted to chastise the exam, he could say, I didn't even have to get out of third year. <laughs> like, it's too easy. Yeah. It's just so straightforward. <laughs> yeah, I fear for Nathan's um, academic progress from here on. This is from Big H Fizzle, who is listening to Alan Stubbs on Talk Sport discussing Frank Lampard's Everton status. I mean, does he need to do something and fast to stop Everton going for an eighth permanent manager since 2013? Of course he does, Jim. You know, doesn't he don't need me or you or Ray to say that. Everyone can see that. He's he's on he's on a he's on a, a sticky sticky tightrope. <laughs> 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 Big H Fizzle writes in. Dave and says a tightrope being sticky would be an absolute godsend for a tightrope walker. <laughs> it's the perfect kind. <laughs> yeah, that's like the tightrope for the sort of um, risk averse. Like I'll yeah. do it, or it's like I, want it to, I don't, want, I don't want to fall. But it may, yeah, or, or it'd be like uh, you know, like revealing the, the magician's secret. How do, how does he get over that gorge on sticky. a tightrope? Uh, it's sticky. Uh, it's like something from um, the Roadrunner or something, isn't it? Yeah. Acme sticky tightrope. <laughs> right, right. Final discussion for us on today's adjudication panel. I I really enjoyed this, so I thought I'd save it for last. Ollie writes in and says, not sure if it's been done, but the difference between a cart horse and a donkey. I use the two interchangeably, but there has to be a difference. Charlie, instinctively, once again, I would say a cart horse is a player who's, who's whose primary characteristic is being big and rubbish. So they're all over the place because they're so massive. So so it's a physical crapness mm. as well as a technical one. Donkeys, it's just more of a universal catch-all thing. Anyone could be a donkey. They're just rubbish. But but cart horses are big and rubbish. And maybe yeah, rubbish because donkey. they're big. But I think of cart horse, because that's literally, that's just... Someone you load up, that's a horse you load up with loads of stuff. I think it's about the fact <laughs> that they're just, they're, yeah, well, they're just a worker. They don't have any skill or anything like that. They just sort of trundle about doing stuff, but without any real skill or talent. And a donkey is is about their ability. It's more just like they're, they're really bad, technically. They can't even do anything. So interesting. So cart horse you think is more nuanced, but it's milder. Not necessarily damning, but donkey is definitely damning. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think donkey, donkey's much worse. Cart uh, horse, I feel, would be used to just describes how limited someone is. Like they're looking for this centre mid. To be honest, he's a cart horse. You know, he's, he's a bit of a cart horse, horse, but he does a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see it. I don't know if I would. I just, I in my mind, I reserved it. I reserved this only for strikers. I don't think I'd ever, I've ever, I've ever heard or even thought that somebody in midfield could be a cart horse. But you can't be a midfield cart horse. It doesn't. You, you, mm. you at a push, you could be a central defensive cart horse. But no, I think. You're right. It is old-fashioned number nines who don't really do their job very well, but are still plugging away. I very vividly remember the first time I ever heard the phrase "cart horse." I think it was like one of the first sort of football cliches I was, I, I'd ever been exposed to. My dad at one of the first games we went to, and Watford had a striker called Devon White. Yeah. In the mid '90s, who was like a big kind of a big mm. lumbering not very technically good centre forward and my dad referred him to referred to him as a cart horse and I remember being like what, what, what do you mean what's that but then the other day actually one well, of my mates one of my mates <laughs> yeah I came up with that um, one of my <laughs> one of my mates uh, referred to Chris Wood as a donkey oh too big to be a donkey for a start I think mm. he's I think he's more of a cart horse yeah yeah, I think I mean, you're right. One, obviously because of the name, but Jeff Horsefield comes to mind as a bit of a cart horse. <laughs> Is he a war horse, Jeff cart Horsefield. Because we, we talked about oh, war horses he's before. Horse. He's an old yeah. war horse, but he's not a cart horse. He's too good. To, Jeff Horsefield was too good to be a cart horse. You think? But at, at Premier League level? <laughs> I mean, yes, in the Championship he would, but once he was in the Premier League... Well, maybe it is mild. Well, in summary then, Oli can't use them interchangeably. Are we agreed on this now? Yeah, well, I'm, you've sort yeah. of thrown me a bit with the, the, the diminutive element of the donkey, you're, which you're completely right. They are smaller than horses. <laughs> but I would never, I would I never mean, think don- to call a, a small but not very good striker a, a donkey. Well, Tony Adams was famously described as a donkey. I was going to say, Ad- Adams is, Adams so is the original. half as well. So, so yeah, donkeys can be think- anywhere on the pitch. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I think he's, he's a gamer. He's a donkey. He's a donkey. It's it's to reflect a sort of lack of culture, isn't it? I mean, that's what they were taking the piss out of Tony. Yeah, Adams because they're for, useful animals, he was, right? I mean, they still do a job yeah, for you. But it was that he was this sort of very basic, uh, <laughs> you know, just sort of hoofing it and things like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of nuance there. I have to say, um, Dave, well done to you. One hundred up. Part of the one hundred club. One hundred not out. Here's to the, here's to the next one hundred. 
Indeed. Thanks to you also, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to this bumper adjudication panel. We'll be back on Thursday. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.